What? That's the only explanation. We had to have been sent back because of a solar flare. Was there not an error in your calculations? I don't think so, Teal'c. But after the Abydos mission, when we couldn't figure out a way to make the gate work again, I was asked to research alternative applications for the gate, including time travel. What'd you come up with? Well, just this. What if a massive solar flare just happened to occur at the exact moment that we were traveling between Earth and another stargate? Welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. I'm Thad Hate. We are joined this week by our very dear friends and first-time guest, Chris Holden. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 21, 1969. Indeed. Yeah. And it takes place in August, so it takes place in the summer of 69. Ooh. Oh, nice. I, I didn't even catch that. Uh, our synopsis from TV Guide, the SG-1 team travels back in time, finding themselves on Earth in 1969 and coming face-to-face with a young Hammond. Okay. The Stargate Wiki says, a freak accident involving a solar flare and the Stargate causes SG-1 to gate to the Earth in 1969. While trying to figure out a way back, the team is mistaken for Soviet spies and is being transferred to another facility. However, young Lieutenant George S. Hammond comes to render assistance so that SG-1 can return to their own time. I feel like the synopsis on the Stargate Wiki was just, like, the first 15 minutes of the episode. Yeah, I was going to say a lot more happens after that. <laughs> but yeah, that, but it's also just, like, really verbose. Like, that's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, the Stargate Wiki's a bit ridiculous in that regard. So, Chris, had you ever seen Stargate before? This was my first episode, actually. Okay. I don't think I've seen the movie. I don't think I've seen any of the episodes of any of the iterations of Stargate before. Well, what'd you think? And I liked it. It was fun. And the one thing, like, I guess going back to this point, the one thing that stuck out to me is how much happened in this episode. Like, I'm used to, I don't know, watching Stranger Things on Netflix where you can watch an hour of TV and literally, like, nothing will happen. (laughs) <laughs> and this episode, like, so much happened. Yeah, that's 90s TV versus uh, 2000s TV. Yeah, like, pre-prestige television, you had all this stuff, and it was all encased in 45 minutes, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, this episode covers six days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess potentially a seventh day. It's not 100% clear if all in the same day they go back in time, zap the missile, get held for questioning, and then get bo- and then get put onto a truck. Like, I don't know if that all happens in one day or if they, like, ever stayed the night in the mountain, like, waiting to be transferred. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But about a week is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Because Young Hammond tells us that it's August 4th, 1969, and then the solar flare they're trying to catch is August 10th. Mm. Speaking of Young Hammond, how good was that actor at playing Young Hammond? 
Uh, well, you and I are the better judge of this than Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he, he definitely had his mannerisms and intonation and delivery down. Mm-hmm. I was rather impressed with him. So, I have, I have several minor nitpicks and one big one. Uh, how did they, uh, the very beginning part, when they go back in time, where they come back through into the regular gate room and then it morphs into 1969? That was weird. And made, makes, doesn't really make all that much sense. If, the, if the solar flare affected their gate travel, then they should have come back through the gate, or even the gate they were still going to just in the past. But I'll even I'll even allow for them coming back through the Earth Gate. But still, shouldn't they have just come through the gate where it was in 1969 instead of like this weird like fake gate? Well, there was like a throwaway line about that, right? Where I feel like they tried to explain it. Like, someone makes a passing reference to, oh, we were just in both times at once, and then we weren't. Yeah, I think what Thad's point is that um, the you know the, the Stargate itself, they, they step through in modern day and then get zapped back 30 years, but it, there's no reason why they should have, like, there, there's no reason why, like, their GPS coordinates should have stayed the same since the mm-hmm. Stargate was what sent them through time, so they either should have been sent to the Stargate in D.C. and come out in this big warehouse or something, or been sent to the other planet 30 years in the past. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense that they get sent back to the exact place where they started from, and then the gate disappears. Like, that's Thad's point, which I think I get. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they wanted the for the narrative with, you know, them to get caught and to have young Hammond and all that, but it just... It didn't seem to make all that much logical sense. I think that the Young Hammond narrative could have worked equally well if they had come back in uh, in DC. That's true. Yeah, I was gonna say you two, and then they could have they could have still gone on a road trip to visit Catherine, but, right? But not as epic a road trip. Yeah. This- well, I, maybe it could have been like at that point. It's like and. It was like then revealed that well because you guys came through and activated this thing and we didn't, we needed to move it to a secure location and then it gets moved to Cheyenne Mountain so they're like following the gate to Cheyenne Mountain so epic road trip yeah mm-hmm. speaking of road trips uh, we sort of have a reverse Independence Day here uh, <laughs> and I will explain myself in 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 Independence Day. Jeff Goldblum and his father, who I forget the name of the actor who plays Jeff Goldblum's father in Independence Day, uh, have to travel from New York to D.C. and manage to do it in gridlock traffic in an amazing amount of time. A, a very quick... Because everyone's going the other direction. Yeah, but to get out of New York... Anyway, it just seemed they were, they were really cutting it close and still managed to do it. They did it in like like three hours or something, which is just incredibly far-fetched but anyway in this episode they have to drive from new york to be in dc tomorrow they say tomorrow and then when they arrive oh we're cutting it really close well at that point i mean they they had abandoned their bus friends right had they no i think their bus friends dropped them off yeah their bus friends dropped them off in dc place in dc 
But they had to go from Manhattan back to Yonkers where the observatory was and then turn to around pick and up. drive back right. through Manhattan and down. That, that takes still time. takes less than a day. <laughs> and we clearly saw a point when Jack was working on the engine of the bus with Teal'c just sort of, you know, like hanging out oh that's true the bus could have broken down or something all right yeah the bus is an old piece of crap the bus broke down we're gonna uh, that is more easily explained than why they come back into oh much yes so wait (laughs) much yes so what the heck does that mean yes very much so (laughs) there you go same words different order (laughs) having driven north on 95 from dc many times i will put nothing past that traffic like (laughs) that's fair it could take a day. I buy it. <laughs> I literally today had to deal like in real time because I'm like getting all these constant like updates of a truck that took an hour and a half to go six miles. <laughs> <laughs> Some bad traffic, I guess. Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna say, how great of a name is Thornbird? <laughs> yes, that is a pretty good name. Isn't there, like, some sort of famous book called The Thornbird or something like that? Chris? All my mind is drawing right now is The Wild Thornberries, which is not the same thing. Actually not the word I'd use. That is not the same thing. (laughs) Wait, so you said you had a third nit to pick, right? Oh, I have multiple. I have a couple other. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll reference. I'll I'll pick various nits throughout the episode. Very good. All right, so Chris, what uh, what stuck out for you in this episode? Like, okay, so I enjoyed this episode a lot because it had two of my favorite tropes, which are time travel and road trips. <laughs> neither of which were <laughs> like, neither of them like went outside the boundaries of what I would expect, but they both were featured in fair amounts, and so I like that a lot, and I like the combination of those two. Um. Having been new to the show, there was some mythology stuff that sort of went over my head with whoever they were meeting in Manhattan and that sort of stuff, like the the specific the specifics of how the Stargate works. But all the other time travel stuff and road trip stuff, I was totally there for. And also, I gather they don't usually go through time; they usually go through space. Correct. In Stargate. Okay. You typically they go from they go to other planets and explore those. Mm-hmm. I suppose, strictly speaking. They're also sort of traveling through time every time, just because wormholes are weird. Um, but you know, they don't do overt time travel very often. Okay. There's only four instances throughout okay, the full good. run of the show. Oh, I'm thinking inc- including time travel continuum. Uh, if we're thinking just Stargate time travel, uh, even fewer. Uh, Ooh, that's right, because that one was like the like that was the modified ship. So it's not like Star Trek where they're always traveling through time. Like this is a special event. Yeah, they do travel through time a few times in the Stargate franchise, but yes, it is certainly not as often as Star Trek. Okay. As uh, Stuart and I are discovering on uh, as we uh, watched season one of Star Trek Voyager on Delta Flyer, uh, and we've had we're up to three time travel episodes in this first season. Yes, in our first season of Delta Flyer, shameless plug, we have encountered at least three different instances of time travel on Star Trek Voyager, which we discuss on Delta Flyer, shameless plug. And that's, like, in the beginning of the season, too. Like, that's not, like, uh, yeah, spread like, throughout in the, first, the season. Like, in the first half season. <laughs> <laughs> 
But like on this show, they didn't seem that phase that they were traveling through time. Like someone mentions, like we're probably the first people ever to travel through time, but then they just sort of deal with it. That's that's kind of how Stargate works. Okay, when weird stuff happens, they just take it in stride. Their their whole bit is traveling to other planets and meeting new and exciting alien races, and sometimes killing them and sometimes not, and just like having to roll with the punches every time. Like, uh oh, a deciduous force this time. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, where is this filmed, by the way? Vancouver. Okay. It was obviously not New Mexico where they were driving through. No, and they reused that uh, Route 66 East sign two or three times. Yes. Mm. They also never actually go on an interstate, despite Jack saying we need to get to the interstate. Does Route 66 not count as an interstate? Route 66. Well, if you want to be from the truly pedantic point of that it goes through multiple states but so you're saying when, they never got on i-40 right they were never on the interstate highway system i don't know if we had a fully formed interstate highway system in 1969 yes though. we did i mean mm. there were fewer of them but they they were around right but like were they i mean could they have traveled like, on effectively the same one or two to get all the way from new mexico to new york I don't know, but why were they in New Mexico? When were they in New Mexico? At a certain point, the map said New Mexico. It may have been because they were, like, in, uh... Like, you know, at a certain point, the map said New Mexico. Yeah, when they escape from the truck, they're outside of Albuquerque. Oh, okay. Oh, so that was the facility to which they were being taken, I guess. Okay, now I understand, because they started in Colorado. Right, and you had also said that... the No, sorry, Chris. Chris had said... Chris said New Mexico. He started it, but mm-hmm. I agreed with him, and the map said it, too. Okay. Yeah, the camera pans in on, like, a land of enchantment sign or something. Okay. And then immediately up to a set of, like, a forest that looks like Vancouver and not at all like New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, this uh, Stargate SG-1 is part of a storied <laughs> tradition of science fiction shows being shot cheaply in Vancouver. Like The X-Files. Yes, like The X-Files. What movie What Oh... So, movie or show that I've seen, Studio 60, we're not going to shoot in Vancouver. Not even Vancouver looks like Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> so, when they're in Cheyenne Mountain, yes, there have never been missile test facilities in Cheyenne Mountain. In fact, the only places they have missile test facilities are at actual missile bases. But that is, con- I mean, that may be correct in reality but the missile test in the chamber does square with star trek star, oh <laughs> does, but the missile thing does square with stargate's own internal thing about why the gate's there oh uh, yeah okay yeah that's fair think yeah think think ahead future knowledge we get a new character we get a new member of the team and they're and they're found just standing there in the gate room looking up and he's like what are you What's doing little Trying to figure how they got it in here right <laughs> yeah <laughs> which was our first introduction to mckay uh no i think that was the that was the second one okay okay so i liked when they were in cheyenne mountain in the missile tube that never existed uh that teal like wanders over and then kneels down to join them i like how everyone else is like freaking out and teal just calmly goes over and shoots it yeah i like they just going around and start like pressing buttons everywhere like they don't know right. what these buttons do they're just <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
it is a little weird that there isn't like you know even freaking meat freezers have a you know in case door locks you know emergency button to escape why the heck doesn't the missile silo like what's going to get out the missile <laughs> what are you trying to keep in there <laughs> a lot of times the button in a meat freezer isn't even an emergency button it's just when you go into the meat freezer to do stuff you often shut the door behind you so it doesn't get cold. it doesn't uh heat, heat up in there Oh uh, yeah, they, I suppose they are usually spring. Like uh, the hinges are sprung, springed. I'm, I'm speaking uh, from experience from when I worked in the in a bakery and we had a big freezer for all the frozen dough stuff. Mm. So, so a dough freezer. Yeah, but it's the same concept. It's in fact, it is basically it is no, exactly no, the same no, kind no, of no, no. Listen, <laughs> I'm talking about meat freezers. You're only familiar with dough freezers, I don't... <laughs> right? Because they're totally different things. I don't know. I've only been in meat freezers. Yeah, there's meat hooks and meat freezers. Yeah, are, yeah. Are there meat For hooks meat. and dough freezers? There were... So, I mean, no, there aren't even dough hooks. Uh, <laughs> but a walk-in freezer is a walk-in freezer. Mm, I'll allow it. <laughs> so, Thad, what did you think of Jack's Star Trek joke? Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. I I appreciated it. I thought it was a little ballsy to make that joke in 1969. He didn't know yet it was 1969. Ooh. Well, see, I, th- I thought that was part of why he was doing it, to try and, like, figure out what year it was. Jack's, no, Jack's just generally a smartass. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. But in 1969, Star Trek was, like, actually on TV. So. Uh, yeah, and so that's what made uh, Colonel Thornbird cool name. Uh, like, his, like, he just, like, rolled with it. Where yeah. he's like, you know, like, all right, Kirk, you can either talk to me or talk to the CIA. And it's like, okay. uh, well, apparently he doesn't watch NBC. Uh, and then Jack makes the Luke Skywalker joke, which is interesting because we know from future knowledge that Jack has never seen Star Wars. You're right. But he does love The Simpsons. He does love The Simpsons. He's never seen Star Wars? Yes. And that's actually the reaction when they find this out. <laughs> yeah. So they have the correct reaction on the show. I think this was it was because what like uh, Teal'c was just going through and just absorbing all of uh, it was Earth pop the culture, episode right? with um the uh, the ancient who uh, helped Sam Merlin. No, not Merlin. Who helped Sam? I can't recall either. He was in. He built a Stargate out of spare parts in her house. Oh yeah, in the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. It was it was that episode, and Teal'c and Jack and possibly Daniel, I can't remember if Daniel was there or not, show up at Sam's door for a movie night. Teal'c mentions that it's Star Wars, and Jack says, "And Jack says, yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good. And and Sam starts to say, well, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, it's not a, not a good time right now. Wait, you've never seen Star Wars? <laughs> anyway. That time we did a yeah. tangent on Stargate, so that counts. Ish? Yeah, sure. Ish. <laughs> Did you guys catch the newspaper, Nixon going to the summer White House? Mm. I did not, actually. Yeah, it was towards the end, the last... It was after they had been in the woods and the hippies found out that these people were not all that they seemed to be. Uh, there was the... It showed a newspaper and on it, it was a headline, like, Nixon going to, you know, like, headed to the summer White House. Which... I was focusing on that, like, it... it because the all the talk of the... You know, the Winter White House and the Southern White House, which are all still yeah. Mar-a-Lago. Yes. 
Interestingly enough, Nixon actually tore one of Nixon's last official acts as president before he resigned was touring Mar-a-Lago to check his, its suitability to be a uh, presidential residence. <laughs> really? Huh? Yeah. He decided no, or I don't. Well, he decided it. he was just gonna like you know not be president anymore. Yeah. <laughs> decided it was a moot point. Yeah, I don't actually know what his whether it was a yay or nay on that. I just know that that was one of his last official acts as president was touring Mar-a-Lago. Because hmm. that was like right after it had been uh, uh, left to the government and the person who owned it will. Mm. So speaking of Nixon and yeah. all this, so I have some, I guess, questions about the portrayal of the 60s in this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, do you think that the the four main characters did drugs with these hippies on their road trip from Albuquerque to New York. I bet Tilk did. Okay. Tilk, yes. Daniel, yes. <laughs> Sam, maybe. Jack, no. Jack, yes. Do you think Jack did? Maybe weed. Jack might have smoked weed, but I doubt he would have done anything <laughs> harder. <laughs> I mean, it's a very long road trip, and it seems like it would be really awkward. And so, and the yeah. hippies seem willing to share. Very much so. Yes. I especially liked when the 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 guy was like, "This is the deal. You can sit up next to me, brother. It's cool." <laughs> Do you think he's trying to like overtly say that Teal can sit at the front of the bus? Yes, that is in fact what he was saying. It, it felt like there was like also like another like potential thing of like just general sort of like I'm. I'm a cool guy who's cool with the fact that you're black sort of like sort of thing to say, like without being overtly about being in the front of the bus. Well, okay. Yeah, that was, I think that was more of it. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that was more of it that yes, he was a cool guy and he's down with the black people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I also very much enjoyed his conversation with Teal'c about his mark of Apophis. Yes. Yeah, well, and then I like that Teal'c went all Jimi Hendrix to disguise it for the rest of the episode, mm-hmm. and wore the bandana around Speaking his Speaking of which, this is a good time to mention where we actually have some community interaction for this episode. Mm. I, uh, while watching this episode, I put, a po- I put a poll up on Twitter asking what they thought the best Season 2 Teal'c hair was, because there are two episodes in Season 2 where Teal'c has hair. There's The Gamekeeper, and there's 1969. And with 249 votes, so that's impressive. Why are you not all listening to the show? Wow. Uh, we have 85% say 1969 and 15% say The Gamekeeper. So that's, I mean, that's pretty clear. So I think that uh, the Electoral College should give it to The Gamekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> but what's his hair in The Gamekeeper? Like, what is this afro up against here? Yeah, mostly just like uh, like a messy like a messy mop of hair, um, you know, it's like just like your better basic bad haircut that then you slept in. Mm. It's not great, no. And it had also been under a hat in the like in that episode, which contributes to the the messiness of the hair. Mm. It wasn't allowed to be free. Sight unseen, I'm going to vote for this episode though. His hair was great yeah. in this episode. Hold yeah. on. You will see the hair. I have better be texted really you the good hair. hair. Oh, that's terrible. I know, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I definitely agree with the internet on this one. I'm actually wondering about those 15% of people that said that it was better. Russian bots or something. <laughs> you know, 
It's funny you mentioned Russians. We actually have <laughs> we actually have some Russian fans. There is one fan in particular uh, who is, is every time we release an episode is always uh, tw- always tweets out to their followers a, a, a thing about our episode where they even like dig up screenshots from the episode we talk about. It's amazing. Huh. Yeah, they're our social media director, but we haven't told them yet. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this show, we love you, Russian fan. Atlantis TV RU, I think. Is there is there Twitter? Atlantis TV right? RU, but um I think it's the same person that also the same Russian person that also on it's Facebook. It's almost always the same words and pictures and tags. And so. it would seem unlikely that we would have two separate two Russian Russians fans who <laughs> Yeah. Like like you know, like wanted to advertise everything we do. It's a big country. <laughs> yeah, I mean like, you know, you say weird, I say Dasvidanya. But anyway, that's goodbye. <coughs> to to you saying that it's weird. Oh, okay. Like, you're saying goodbye to our Russian fan? That's not very nice. Duh. Duh. Anyway, we think you're awesome and keep doing what you're doing. Duh. So these hippies. Yeah. <laughs> can we talk about the hippies? We, we can. can talk about the hippies. Because I actually did some research on these hippies. <laughs> like these particular hippies? Yes, like these particular hippies. Michael and Jeff. Okay. Okay. Because I was expecting there to be a resolution of what happened to them. Mm. It was built up about how he was getting drafted and thinking about running to Canada and he wasn't sure what he was going to do and they weren't allowed to give him advice because of the grandfather paradox. Right. And so I was expecting when they got back to the present day, one of them was going to like then look up and find out what happened to them. But that didn't happen. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did a little research on the Stargate wiki and Google Books. Okay. And there is a Stargate novel that I yeah. think is like officially sanctioned. It's not like fan fiction. Yeah, there's there are a bunch of Stargate novels. There's there's sort of like a B canon, whereas like anything they say, if there's later TV that contradicts it, then it's out. But otherwise, it's okay. Okay, I was wondering about the canonicity then. So yeah, there's a book definitely where these hippies reappear as their nice. older selves. That's awesome. So what happened is that. Michael did, in fact, go and fight in Vietnam. And then he returned, but many of his friends died. And he marries Jenny. And they go to Greece on their honeymoon and visit Santorini. And then he starts a (laughs) renewable energy firm and makes millions in British Columbia. And he becomes a millionaire. Please tell me the book was just the biography of Michael, because that's amazing. This is all on, like, the first page. Like, the opening vignette is just Aww, Michael okay. reflecting on his past. Because it was, okay. like, in the free Google Books preview, and I could read this. And so he's thinking about how he's become part of the establishment that he used to rail against when he was a young hippie. Um, but he's funding expeditions off the island of Santorini, where he honeymooned to, like, look for Atlantis. And that's how he gets tied back in with the gang, I guess. That's okay. awesome. So I actually was going to mention a Star- Stargate book as well this episode. Oh, uh, now I feel bad that I don't have a Stargate book to mention. This is only because I read the Stargate wiki and they told me about it. Oh, okay. A, that hardly counts. <laughs> it's a good wiki. <laughs> it is. It's pretty detailed. Anyway, uh, so the Stargate wiki reveals... So you know, this is not going to mean as much to Chris, but Stuart, you're familiar with uh, the later time travel episode Mobius. Yes. Uh, so 
you know how in that them uh them having buried the the, the gate having been taken when raw left cha- completely changes the timeline yes so you know how in that timeline sam never joins the air force okay need you to stop with the leading questions <laughs> well do you <laughs> no oh, no well. i forgot like i'm just gonna start saying no because you <laughs> well in, in that timeline sam never joins the air force and there's a stargate sg1 novel that explains that it's because of the offense in this episode so when Lu- lieutenant hammond is given the letter from his future self he gains some confidence that he can't die because otherwise he wouldn't be able to send back <laughs> that message for, to his past so okay. in, in vietnam he actually risks his life to save a fellow soldier who was Jacob Carter. Okay. Sam's dad, Chris. Okay. Uh, because of that. Uh, and But in the alternate timeline where the gate was ne- was taken away by the Gould, obviously SG-1 never went back in time. So Hammond never got a letter proving his immortality. So he was more of a risk taker and didn't risk himself to save Jacob Carter in Vietnam. So Jacob dies and Carter never joins the Air Force because she was afraid of her mother's reaction to find out that she was joining the Air Force because the Air Force is where her father died. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah, I thought that was actually pretty neat. I, I, I think that I think that the single biggest flaw in that theory is that. Hammond seems like such a level-headed guy, yeah. even young Hammond, and especially him being like, General Hammond, I like the sound of that. It feels unlikely that him be like, but I obviously make General, so now it's time <laughs> to play. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a little skeptical on that, but I do, I do like this theory yes but you know but the rest of it Stuart, that reminds me of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where a character knows something about his future and knows he cannot die until that event occurs i think i remember this yeah it's been so long since i've reread hitchhiker's guide i should really i should really do that soon i've never actually read the other books i've only read hitchhiker's guide well the guy who knows his own death isn't in the first one he's definitely in the (laughs) He's in the later ones, yeah. Yeah, he's he's in he's in a later part. He's he's in a later book of the five part trilogy, right? That's what it's called. Yeah, I know the five book trilogy. I'm yeah. aware. <laughs> you know, Bass Masters. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I haven't read the other books, but I'm I'm familiar with Douglas Adams's oeuvre. So, so did you notice that the uh, the box that the Stargate's in? It's the same box that it's going to be in later, because they recognize the importance of saving the box. I did not notice. Okay, it's the same box. Okay. This is like a super deep cut inside joke just for just for us and even for the three of us it might be like just for Thad and I. Yeah, I don't I, <laughs> I bet Chris didn't even get that. Why do they have to yeah. save the box? You gotta save the box. Stuart Chris. saves his saves boxes for everything because he's insane. <laughs> I'm not insane. It makes sense. <laughs> then when it's like when it's time for the stuff to move on to its next owner, they get the box. I mean, it was a sweet, customized box that is, like, the perfect shape for a Stargate to fit inside. I was, uh, yeah, like, what the heck else are you going to keep in the box? I was surprised at how empty the area that the Stargate was stored in was. Like, I was expecting more like the archives from uh, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, in later episodes where 
we see the Stargate, well, the second Stargate in that box, it's the same basic deal. Like there might be, might have been like a few additional crates around in the later episodes because I presume it's supposed to be a different warehouse at that point. But ultimately, no. Apparently, I, it, it it would make more sense for it to be like slipped in between aisles and aisles and aisles, like stacked as far as the eye could see of crates, so that you wouldn't notice the big gray box in the middle of the room. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Also, are three trucks enough to power the Stargate? I was also wondering that. I don't think they would. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in episode one, they have to use like a lightning bolt, which, as Doc Brown tells us, is 1.21 gigawatts of energy. Yeah, and the, it's a, the gate is a superconductor. It needs a lot of power. Also, yeah. uh, it doesn't shake, even though it's not being held in place. What do you think's in the bottom of the box? <laughs> <laughs> so... Another nitpick I have is that construction on the Sears Tower didn't start until 1971, and yet in their road trip montage, when they when the map shows Chicago, it also shows a shot of the Chicago skyline with the Sears Tower prominently visible. Well, maybe that can be explained away by the drugs they were doing on the road trip. Oh, yeah, New York. yeah. Good call. Good call. And that's why I say Jack took drugs. Jack is from <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> well, Jack is... Depending on when you ask him, he's either from Chicago or Minnesota. Minago. <laughs> Chicago. Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the, gu- the the joke that Jack made when he was being interrogated, uh, like, what's that weapon you used? Oh, it's hard to say. Uh, for Chris, it's called a Zatnikatel. So, okay. yeah, hard to pronounce. And we, when we first get introduced to it, we are told that one shot stuns, as you saw, a second shot kills, uh, which you didn't see in this episode, and a third shot disintegrates. And apparently... Which you also didn't see in this episode. Yes, you did, because apparently it also works on crates. Hmm. And, they disintegrate the crate? I thought they just shot, shot the crate to open the crate. They may have shot the crate to open the crate, and then they disintegrated the crates. Because ha- young Hammond then says... The, those recordings were inside the other crate that you just disintegrated. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, so it works on inanimate objects. I just sort of had to really assume that the disintegration only worked on people, because I had forgotten any other times when maybe they disintegrated an object. Well, I mean, when the third shot hits the person, they're no longer an inanimate object. Hmm, that's true. They would be dead. But... And their clothes also get disintegrated, so... That's true. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. So wait, the way that this weapon works, is it is it powered the same way every time, and it's just our bodies that are affected, or does it... Yeah. Each time you fire it, it's an increasingly more powerful shot? No, uh, no it, it fires the same every time, and your body can only take so much. Okay. Or an object can only take so much, apparently. There are some times when there's, like, a... When someone's, like, super overpowered for whatever reason, that more than one... It takes more than one shot to stun them. Okay, yeah. but if I fired it at, like, a, a squirrel or something, it might disintegrate them on shot one. It might kill it on shot it one. It might kill it. It wouldn't disintegrate. Okay. Uh, but we see examples where there's two people that both get hit, and they're both knocked down, but they're back up. They're 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 groggy, but they're active in, like, five seconds They or get something. knocked down, so, but they get up again. Yeah, the Zad will never keep them down. Yeah. A- anyway, the point I was, make, was trying to make was, what's the size limit? On the triple zat, making mm. things dis- like disintegrate. 
why aren't they using this in more scenarios? Why don't they make like, a bigger uh, version of it? Why aren't in they using it scenarios? in every episode? Yeah. Yeah, like, why aren't they just using it all the time? It's like, oh, no, an alien mothership's rolling in. Bring in the big Zat. <laughs> it's a very good point. Yeah, why doesn't the Daedalus have a giant Zat? Ooh. The Daedalus, Chris, is an uh, Earth-made ship mm-hmm. from the much later seasons. We've, we, get, we see it in season seven or eight for the first time. We see it... it, it the Daedalus class first appears in season two of Atlantis. So it would have been season Whoa. nine of SG one. Okay. Prometheus yeah, appears in season was... six. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know in a big way, mm-hmm. two big ways. Mm-hmm. Q steals it. He does. Yeah. So the Daedalus is, a, is an earth made ship that they have apparently in the space of, okay. So each season is effectively a year. Okay. In in time in in this world, so we're in season two right now. By season nine, so seven years from now, they have built uh like a massive hyperspace capable uh like destroyer. Earth has the humans have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. A second generation hyperspace destroyer. Yes. Because the first one was like not cool enough. The X three o or the X three o four is the class. Yes, yes. the three o four class. Uh, I don't even think it's X at that point because it's not experimental. It's just the three o four class, right? Uh, and then they build three more of them in the space of like two years. Yep, <laughs> which is good because a couple of them get destroyed. Yeah, but like it, it's very Star Trek in that way where it's like, well, we need a new ship, but it's gonna it's not gonna be ready for six months. <laughs> like, do you guys have any idea how long it actually takes to build a ship? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how are they hiding these line items from Congress? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There there's an episode in, in season one, which is a it, it's a it's a clip show, episode titled Politics, where we find out that the Stargate program is a seven billion dollar line item. And this is taking place in present day, like yes, ninety seven. Okay, mm, uh, we're in ninety nine at this point. Yeah, ninety eight. But it's not like somewhere yeah. in the near we're future. We're in ninety nine at this time. Right. Yeah. 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 It 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 takes it, it takes place in the present day of when it was filmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 There would be some congressional committees about this. I feel <laughs> one or two. Yes. In our case, we only get a single ornery senator. It grows in secret, but withers in the light of day. It must perish. That's that's not what he said. It's close, but it's not what he said. I believe that which grows in shadow, but withers in the light of day, does not belong on the vine. Well, the only other thing that I want to talk about, which is more just like, because it was kind of funny, was I didn't realize that Heinrich Gruber had a son, and all I could think of was Hans! <laughs> <laughs> so, funny thing about that, uh, apparently in the German dub of this episode, Daniel speaks with a French accent when he goes to visit Catherine. Hmm. And and they speak French? I guess, yeah. It doesn't say. Oh. It would be funnier if they speak, like, English, since it's the German dub. What was this episode called in Germany? 1969. Ugh, so boring. The Italians went with time travel. The Italians are always on the nose. It's uh, yeah, the Italians or the the Italians usually are on the nose, and the Germans usually have the fun name. Uh, yeah, 
Invasion Part 4. This could have been Invasion Part 17, man. Right, exactly. <laughs> but actually, uh, everybody called it 1969, except the Italians who called it time travel. Time travel. Well, Viaggio nel tempo. Uh-huh. Okay, actually, so I have two nits to pick. Okay, pick your nits. First, how sexist was that? Jack being, hey, Carter, flag someone down. Was he expecting her to show a little leg or something? I No, I don't think he was, but I think he was figuring that people were probably, that, yes, sexist, but also that people were more likely to stop for an attractive woman. Well, they were four people dressed in, like, military uniforms still at that point, too, right? Yeah. Okay. Boom. Who's yeah. going to be able to tell that she's a woman at all That's from, fair. like, you know, like, cruising along at 45, 50 miles per hour? I mean, she also put her thumb out pretty lazy, but <laughs> I'm going to treat that as her, like, silent protest against Jack's sexism. Okay. So, all out. First try, though, she got a ride. No, she didn't. She gave up. She Teal gave up. Teal. Teal got the bus. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But they would have stopped. Or at least they say they would have stopped. Hippies lie. <laughs> Hippies don't lie. That's that's <laughs> not groovy. <laughs> groovy. And, and my, my other nit was a solar flare on the opposite side of the sun so they can go forward in time. What the hell? What? Okay, I want to know, how did Hammond get the calculations for the exact solar flares they needed to travel forward in time? Well, like Carter postulates, at some point, he tasked her with this. Cause, well, because, like, he... Or he, like, used her research or something. So maybe yeah, he, like, maybe seems... he asked leading questions of them that, it, like, in the week prior that then she then promptly forgot all about. Hmm. It would have been nice to have, like, a throwaway line of, like, well, that does explain why General Hammond kept asking me all these questions about, like, the locations of the flares and flares back in time. But I thought he didn't know it was coming until he saw the cut on her. And it seemed like in the beginning of the episode he was seeing it for the very first time. Yeah. Yeah, oh. the cut on her hand seeing it for the first time was kind of surpri- like is kind of surprising because they debrief after every mission, so he would have... Yes, especially because, now, we wouldn't necessarily know this because we're watching this episode out of order because reasons, but the episode that came before this was One False Step and Carter accidentally gets cut on a knife in that episode. Okay, so the cut on her hand is consistent within the larger story of the show? Yeah. Good. Also, by the way, in another Stargate SG-1 book, it's revealed that the device that old Cassandra uses that uh, made the wormhole appear, yeah. a la the Nox, yeah. uh, is, a, is, a, is both a DHD and time travel device that works by the user focusing on the time and place they wish a wormhole to be open to, and can only be used by someone with Naquita in their blood. Okay, that's the little... Two Deus Ex Machina for me. Yeah. Also, if that were the case, then they wouldn't have been in any like immediate rush to go. Yeah. Well, so, maybe Cassandra also had to deal with a solar flare. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So I don't think it does just go wherever they want them to go. But this continues my point in that they go through the gate in the warehouse in D.C. The solar flare sends them forward in time. They come out where the gate is in the future. They don't show up in the warehouse in D.C. Consider your case made. I'm on board. Yeah. Chris, do you have any nits you need to pick? 
I, as a as a first time viewer, I was on board with all of this. I thought the time travel was actually handled better than a lot of time travel science fiction type things. Oh, I'll give you that. So I was willing to overlook the why are they showing up in these places in space? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I hadn't given it any thought at all until Thad brought it up. So thank you for ruining this this for me, Thad. <laughs> yeah, I'm on oh, board. You made your case, but thank you for ruining about... it for me. Chris, by saying, why are they in this place in space? That that brings a whole other problem to this mix. If what, like worm, no, 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 no. Wormholes allow for this. You're talking about the fact that the Earth is moving through space at all times, and if yes. you travel even a second into or into the past or future, you're going to be teleported like 100 miles or something like that, right? That's what I'm talking about? Or you're just in open space, yeah. But wouldn't the wormhole be moving too? Right, no, but a wormhole connects two points in space-time. So by using the wormhole to conduct their time travel, even accidentally, they ensure, and this reinforces the case that you're making, yes, they ensure <laughs> that they are going to come back out in a stable, safe place. Right, but that doesn't work if they're not going to a stop Anyway. No, but it's, it's relative space versus absolute space. You have to assume that space isn't just like a grid that you're floating through, but it's only relative space, and you're always in relation to other objects that are within the same space. That's my theory. Hmm. My one episode and two pages yeah. of a Stargate novel informed theory. <laughs> you're an expert. You can, you're now ready to go on the internet and argue with people about this. <laughs> I'm reminded of uh, something that I read talking about the time travel inside Back to the Future, like the mechanics of the time travel in Back to the Future specifically. And they hmm. eventually got themselves around to the point that what's actually happening is the DeLorean is creating a stable wormhole through which it travels through time. Hmm. Which is how the which is how the DeLorean gets around like, is able to like, reappear in the same they like, get the same latitude and longitude as where it left just in a different time is that it's using wormholes to travel. You can choose what year you go to. Yeah, no, in the DeLorean you can choose the exact you know like down to the like down to the minute, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean they always go like thirty years in any direction, but you could uh, theoretically. Choose. Yeah, right, but they also always reappear however many feet forward from where they departed because they have to move at 88 miles per hour in order to get up in order to activate the time circuits mm. okay okay yeah so the instant the time circuits activated creates a stable wormhole the delorean enters it the stable wormholes exit point is the time to which they are traveling but in the exact same physical location Wibbly so that's why they timey whiny yeah but anyway, i like this episode because they acknowledge the existence of time travel paradoxes and the effects they could have but it also didn't go like full primer where the paradoxes are like the main show and you have no idea what is happening because i believe you mean primer primer <sighs> no i mean primer no, no the word is primer when referring to it to a book or textbook maybe if i'm from the united kingdom it is but i'm not primer is what you put on the wall before you put paint on the wall well, that's what most people put on the wall before they put paint on the wall. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. That's fair. As I recall, you didn't. Well, that's because the paint had primer built into it. Don't you mean primer? You mean it had primer built into it? No, I don't. You prim and proper prissy prig. <laughs> nice. That was very alliterative. I know. Well, I don't have any more nits to pick. Uh, than the whole primer primer thing, which we've which we've picked before. I think yeah, I think we covered most of my nits as well. 
Yeah, my one nit turned out to not be a nit. Oh, they were about the well. They were talking about videotape, as if everyone knew what videotape was in 1969. And I wasn't sure that they did, but it turned out they did. I looked it up. Okay, Are you talking about the like end the videotape of the the interrogation and all that, like towards the beginning. Yeah, they're like you destroyed yeah. the videotape, or we have you yeah. on videotape. Well, I suppose the larger question would be if they would have referred to it as videotape. When was Betamax first out? Well, no, because it was still on tape. Like actual tape tape, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even a Betamax is on tape tape. It's just a matter of like the reels are contained inside a, inside a cartridge rather than That's mounted fair. separately. Yeah. So it's just a question yeah. of whether they would have referred to reel-to-reel video such as that outside of a cartridge as being videotape. Yeah, like it wasn't VHS versus beta, Betamax, but beta for there life. was video being put on tape as early as the 50s. Yeah, it's weird to me to think, because like, to me, tape, well, yes, it gets its name from the stuff that goes on the reels. Like To me, like in my mind, tape is the plastic cartridge. Yeah, see, that's why I looked it up, and then I was wrong. Yeah, no, yeah, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because the, the, the word actually originally, yeah, okay. Do you know what the French word for cartridge is, Thad? I bet it's also cartridge. It's cartouche. Oh, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know what's under the cartouche? The Stargate. Yes, it is. Boom. And gang uh, gate addresses. Yeah. So, hold on. I think I had a couple other things. You said you didn't have any more nits to pick. I'm checking to make sure. How much do you think, how much money do you think Hammond gave them if, with interest, it was $539.50? Also, what rate of interest did he we, calculate? We can calculate that. That's true. If we knew the rate of interest. I mean, we know how long it was. It was, you know, we'll just we'll just say 30 well, 6%, years. 6%? Let's say 6% interest? I, I can't do compounding interest in my head. Yeah, well, I'll let Especially, you like, that, backwards Chris. compounding interest? Yeah. Or... Like, I know math can do that, but no. Right. My my end result is 539.50. How much money do I need to start with to hit that number? I mean, that's... Easy math if you have the formula. So but I can't remember what the formula is. In the armory, when the guards are firing at them, poorly. Yes. The sound effect was not a revolver. It was a semi-automatic is that, pistol. Okay, is that that's not your nit? That's the Stargate Wiki's yeah, nit. That one is the Stargate <laughs> Wiki's nit. I'm not that good. So wait, how much money did he give them in the, or how much money did he demand in the future? Five hundred thirty-nine dollars and fifty cents. If we're assuming 6% interest, then he gave them $93.93 in 1969. I mean, the idea that he had, and and, and so that allows for the idea that with the flexibility of the interest rate, even as high as, say, like 10%, the idea that he gave them anywhere between $80 and $100 is not completely unreasonable. People carried more cash back then. Right, because you couldn't, you didn't have debit cards, and credit cards were only accepted in, like, department stores it wasn't like you could go to the gas station and pay with a credit card and they were on the road and would have needed to assumably like buy things while they were driving to wherever they were going right exactly because they were and so that was probably like his like that was probably his per diem uh for the transporting of the prisoners from cheyenne mountain down to wherever in new mexico i mean he was going to be on the road for a couple of days doing this transport okay so the stargate where he mentions this and i also noticed this a likely story. <laughs> so this is the scene where they're in the bus driving on a bridge, and all the cars around them are also from the right time period, but the cars in the on the other side going the other way are newer cars from the 90s. 
I did not notice that. I just noticed the I fact that he used the same Route 66 sign twice. <laughs> I, I didn't notice the Route 66 sign twice. I did notice that they showed the Route, Route 66 a couple times. I didn't realize it was the same sign, though. I mean, I'm not... I'm only... I'm about 99% sure. They both had, like, white... Like, a white triangular patch. Uh, like There's, like, a faded paint in their upper left corner. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's not it's not 100% overt because they are shot at different angles, uh, but it feels like they just didn't have the camera guy go back and like shoot at a different angle. Also, I probably don't even have to mention this because you guys probably also assumed it, but the con- the concert that they were going to do in New York was totally Woodstock. Yeah. Whoa. Really? <laughs> exactly. What if it wasn't? What if it was just some local concert? But Woodstock was in was August 1969, so it's got to be right. There were other concerts in New York in August 1969. I'm sure the people yeah. road trip that hippies road tripped the whole way across the country to go to. Well, that was the They're excuse because he was going to go across the border. It's true because of the war with Canada. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. How great was that? Especially Michael's response when it wasn't just like. It wasn't like a what the heck response. It was just no. <laughs> yeah, that whole exchange was good. I... <laughs> yeah, I Teal'c is uh, Teal'c's pretty great. Yeah, in case you couldn't pick up Chris, Teal'c is not from Earth. Yeah, what did he say about his head thing represented slavery to foreign gods or something? What's it symbolize? Peace, slavery to false gods. Right on. <laughs> yeah. He was so Teal'c was what was known as the first prime. He was the head of the guard of an alien named Apo- who had taken the name of Apophis. The alien is a symbiotic creature who crawls inside a human or any given host and compl- and takes over their mind and controls their body. Um, so Teal'c was like that guy's prime soldier, like his number one soldier. Uh, he became a defector. And join the humans, and he's now on his mission to free all of those like him, all the people who are, you know, who have been who have been raised in slavery to false gods. And okay. we find out in a late in a different episode. I, at this point, don't know if it's earlier or later that the thing on his head was formed by molten gold being poured into it. Ooh, yeah, I thought it was this episode where we found that out because they were talking about the the head thing. But uh, no, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to remember now when he does, actually. Because I know it is, like, some... It is another episode where someone just asks him about it. And it's, like, someone who doesn't know that he's an alien asks him about it. Oh, I think it is season two. Is it the... I think it's the one where he gets sick and wanders away. And, like, that kid makes friends with him. Maybe. Yeah, he ends up in, like, in a warehouse or something, right? Yeah. That's also in yeah. season two. I oh, forget okay. which episode name it is, though. Doesn't matter. Ironically, we will have already watched it. Like that episode will have aired before this one, or speaking we'll have, of time travel, we'll have released yeah. the podcast <laughs> where we talk about that episode before we release this one. But if you talk about it now, you could change the future. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. I'm, this like this conversation might influence the thoughts that I'm going to have later. Spoopy. Mm. I'm done. Are you done? Yeah, I think I'm done. Chris, are you done? I'm done. I'm less picky than you two. I had fewer nits. We uh, picking nits is kind of what we do. I know. Let's do this thing. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Stargate Weekly, and thank you, Chris, for joining us on it. It was it was a lot of fun talking with you. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Yeah, uh, you can find us on Twitter, which we call the Twitbox, uh, at Stargate Weekly. <laughs> you can find me at Gamicus. You can find me at Tyrannicus. Chris, where can our listeners find you? Oh man, what's my Twitter handle? I think it's Muted Horn. It is Muted. Horn. I believe it is Muted Horn. M-U-T-E-D-H-O-R-N. Uh, we are also on Facebook, uh, Stargate Weekly. Not that it, Facebook matters. Uh, StargateWeekly at gmail.com if you want to send us any emails that way. Uh, we have a website, StargateWeekly.com, but it's mostly just there to point you to episodes. We're... Which you already found, clearly. Right, and you found them through Google Play or or uh, Apple Podcasts or the pocket player, player of your choice where you should... Leave us a review and rate us and give us stars. Any number of stars between five and five. If you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you. If you give us a one-star review, we'll also mention you, but not as nicely. Yeah, no, no. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be salty about it. Like, not like mean, mean, but just sort of like, ugh, that guy. Yeah, pretty much. Also, if you enjoyed listening to us talk about 90s sci-fi you might want to check out our other show, Delta Flyer, where we're doing basically the same thing for Star Trek Voyager. And that's our show. Yeah. So I'm going to stop recording now, I guess? No. Have we done the outro? And Have I thanked the listeners for listening to the listening of the listens? I guess we should thank Have the I listeners. asked them to find us on the twit box? Oh, I, I, how, did, how could I forget to ask them to find us on the twit box? <laughs> <laughs>